to just continue on the theme of being fully possessed, not by demons, but by the Lord Jesus. Um, <coughs> had some it, something interesting happen this week to us, and I believe it's a prophetic sign of what the Lord's about to do. Um, <laughs> it's funny, we went on vacation just for a two-day, for an overnight for my wife's birthday, and we went up to Portsmouth just overnight. And that, this is when this started, you know. A dove came to the door that morning and was sitting at the door looking at me through the glass. And then when I went close, he just jumped up and perched on the thing, which, you know, doves, they're kind of skittish. They just don't, they'll usually, like, take off. Um, so that, that was the beginning of this. And then the last two weeks, we've had, must be a girl, a dove come to the house and perch outside the deck, looking in the window every morning to see what, just, that's like not normal behavior, right? Is it me? This is not normal behavior. For, for a dove, because they're real skittish. They don't like, you know, like hanging out with people. They're always like across on the poles, on the wires, in the trees, but they're never up in, in our face, you know. And so then two days ago, I think it was two days ago, <laughs> my wife sends me a picture, and now there's two. <laughs> and there's an egg on the chair, on the deck, and they left the egg. And I, you know, we're prophetic people, so we believe in prophetic signs. I believe that the Lord is speaking through this. And I believe that, you know, and what did you send me, Joe? That the egg was this, what was the sign of the egg? Oh, wait a second. I'll find it. But it was new birth. Let me find Joe Costa. In my, there we go. Eggs, a promise, a new promise, a new beginning, gift and plans and so I really feel like the Lord's speaking through this and and what the Lord wants to do is bring something new to us bring something new to my house bring something new to our ministry bring something new to KA bring something new to the church at large I believe that right and I believe that he's speaking why now because this is the season when I think he's going to begin to change and eradicate some things in the church. And, um, and not just here, but, I mean, I tweeted something out. What, it, what would it look like if God just totally disseminated, just took apart the church as we know? What would it look like? Because really, I think a lot of what we do now is maybe not him. Right? I have a feeling that a lot of what, what the church has been doing in the past seasons and times, and we can't look to the past to see our future. You know, I think we can look at Scripture. We can look at the book of Acts. We can look at how the Lord came in the book of Acts and what was released in the book of Acts to kind of give us a grid for what church is to look like. Right? Because that's the beginnings. It says that the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. That means what we see in the book of Acts is just a foretaste of what God wants to release to, a, to his people in these last days. Do you believe that? 
And so I, I'm, I'm asking the Lord, God, you're showing us signs of new beginnings, and we do have plans to transition and move. And I look at numbers tonight, and I go, wow, God, really? We're going to transition and move with 20 people. Thank you. And you got, you know, and I'm like, so God has got me, got me personally on a big faith journey, believing and understanding, moving, we'll probably move to someplace easier to get to, okay? That's what I'm talking about, okay, for everyone in general, except for these, this fine couple in the back that have been helping us all along, because they live around the corner. It's, you know, it's, it, this is their house, basically, so... If we don't go here, we go to their, you know, their house. So Holy Spirit, I really feel, is speaking to us to move into the city of Manchester. I'm just going to blow this out there tonight, okay? I know all 20 people, right? But that would be, honestly, and it was just because, and I'll tell you why, because he's sitting right in front of me, but he's a part of the reason. It's Henry that I felt like as soon as we began to move and do some ministry there, and I w it would have never happened if I didn't meet you. It's true. It was a divine connection. I don't even know how he wandered in here. It was through Janet, through Chris, through a couple people just saying, come, come, you got to check, you know, you got to meet Miles, you got to come here, and Jason, and so everybody, yeah, it was through Jesus, but there was a connect, and there's been, a, I believe, a, a life connection for us walking with kingdom realm, but what happened was when, we, when I've been up there the last two times just for certain ministry things, all of a sudden things explode in my spirit and my wife. So it wasn't just myself. It was just something supernatural that God was saying, come, you may be, you know, and I'm like, God, is that you or is that just me? You know? So uh, here's, here's, here's what I believe. God is birthing something fresh and new, right? And we just need to prepare for a wineskin because really if what happens in what the book of Acts shows us, right, you begin to speak the word of the Lord. We begin to release the word of the Lord. You begin to do things and move into realms of heaven that we have not engaged with before, that we want to engage with, right? And this, this whole thing is a big movement and faith movement and faith step to move just in, in physically changing and moving things. And again, it's not happening now. We're looking. We're, you know, we got to find the right place and the right doors have to open. My point is this. God is releasing. He wants to release revival. He wants to release awakening. He wants to move you into a place where you prepare yourself. And I'm telling you what the church looks like now is not. And we keep saying, you know, this statement continues to be made. That the church isn't going to look like it looks like around the corner. So my prayer has been this. Lord, what does it look like? And, Lord, we want to make a wineskin that's called a new wineskin that the Lord can come and the Spirit of the, of the Lord can come and heaven can come so that we can prepare a place that actual revival, actual really revival, right? It's a time where God comes in fullness. This is what I'm talking about. Being fully possessed by nothing else but Jesus. Can I tell you, over the last two weeks, I've been kind of shaken to my core at what I've seen around me and what's happening and what I really feel like God is like, I'm like, God, is this church? And Are these church people? I'm just being honest. Because God is requiring something, and it's called a dying. We may have no one here at the end of this message. 
just kidding. But in First First Corinthians, we we see that you know it's in, it's imperative that we operate out of this way. And Paul comes and he says that the, all the fullness of Christ would come to you. He says this in in, sec, in the second chapter, one through five. He says, "Brethren, I came to you. I didn't come to you with excellence of speech, or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except for Christ, Jesus Christ." And him crucified. And I have to be perfectly honest, I think we've lost the crucified part in our daily walks and lives. There's a place I feel like Jesus wants to manifest himself in the crucified life. We love the resurrection story, and I do. I believe in resurrection power and resurrection life. But we do not like the cross. And the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me about living a life crucified with Christ. That when we die, when we give ourselves over to him, when we give our lives into him and fully immersed, right, we've been baptized into his death, the scripture tells us. That then we become raised to life. And there is no life without death. I'm telling you, and somewhere along the line, I think the American church, and I, here I go again on the American church because I'm in America. But somewhere along the line, I feel like we've missed it, where we've gone past into the blessing and into the, I, I understand we need resources. I understand we want a blessed life. But there becomes a point where the church begins to, that's all we preach is blessing and blessing and blessing and blessing. And I, I'm, come on, I'm not preaching against blessing. But I'm talking about this thing, that our lives are crucified, that our lives are hidden in Christ, that we want to see the life of Christ emerge in the church. And that can't be focused on certain things that the American church focuses on. Are you hearing me? I want the blessing. I want the increase. Come on. I really want that. I want, you can't run a ministry without blessing and increase. Really, you want growth. But here's what I see, that when the fear of the Lord was on the church in the book of Acts, it multiplied. It, was, it went from added to multiplication. And the fear of the Lord was a good thing. It says that, the, that Jesus himself delighted in the fear of the Lord. But the American church runs away from it. Because if you take my comfort, if you take what I like, if you take my seven songs and hallelujah, I'm serious. That the Holy Spirit wants to come in power. But I'm telling you, the fullness of Christ's life costs us something. There is no true Pentecost without cost. Just think about the book of Acts. What did they do when they were called to the upper room? You know what they did? Nothing. They didn't have a sermon. They waited on the Lord. And it cost them time, expectation, preparation. When the Holy Spirit came in power and showed up and wrecked the church, really wrecked the church, it was because they waited. 
I just want the real. I want the films. Can I get the films? Come on, Henry, ask for the films. I want to see the films. I want to see the revelation of what it looked like. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. When Jesus commanded them to go and wait, he said, I'm leaving, and it's only going to be to your advantage, but you have to go and wait for the comforter, for the one who's going to come. And listen, guys, we cannot do one thing. Right? Jesus said, I, you will do nothing without me. And the fruit from the church is like, come on, it's spit seeds, I'm sorry, right now, compared to what it's supposed to look like. And there's a glory that's supposed to be settling on the church because what? We have full Holy Spirit, not just in the guy up here. And I'm not saying all the guys up here have got it all together either. Believe me, I definitely don't. I'm telling you this, that the Lord wants the whole church to receive the fullness of God. If you just look at Acts chapter 4 when they were lying, right? Lying, people died. I didn't say that. Acts chapter 3 or 4 says that, right? Maybe I didn't even get past my first verse here. What's going on? Here's my passion. Here's my mission. My mission is to help the church, help the people, help disciple people to look, to smell, to talk, to actually be in Christ's image. Come on, I got to start with myself, though, Martin. Right? And so something's, I don't know what's going on, but I know this, God is birthing something. He's dropped an egg. He's dropped an egg. He's birthing something. And he wants the Holy Spirit to come, come close, and he wants the Holy Spirit to observe. I'm telling you, it was the craziest thing. Day after day, the dove looking in with one eye into the house. I'm telling you, it's been going on for two weeks. Someone else, Paul Keith Davis, anyone know who Paul Keith Davis is? He's a guy out of, uh, out of um, where is it? Alabama, White Dove Ministries. He named his, his ministry White Dove, White Dove Ministries because this happened to him. <laughs> Two doves came to the house, and when they came to the house, he, he was calling the, the, the dove Gabriel till he realized it laid an egg, so they had to call it Gabriella. <laughs> it was the same scenario. And I'm like, God, what are you saying in this? And that was back in 2003 for him. So I'm asking the Lord, Lord, what are you dropping? What are you releasing? What do you want to birth in the church right now? And I'm telling you, it's going to cost us. And I'm not saying that we have to, come on, it's not like works. But I'm telling you, here's the sign of the dove. Rest. Wait. Allow the Lord to come. Allow him to speak. Allow the Holy Spirit to come and speak. You don't have to strive, but you have to abide. So I don't want to, you know, again, Paul came with this. I determined not to know anything among you except of Christ, Jesus Christ, and him crucified. Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and, I, and in fear and in much trembling. So here we go. You've got the Apostle Paul. He comes to the people not with eloquent words, right? And we remember in the book of Acts, this is what they said. 
They knew these men had been with Jesus. They were uneducated. They didn't have eloquent, eloquent speech. And I'm not against, you know, I've got my Bible, my, my uh, yeah, now I can talk. How am I educated? I have my bachelor's in theology. You know, I've, do, I've done formal education, but it wasn't that that got me where I am now. It's the Holy Spirit that got me to where I am now. And it's all this revelatory wisdom, anything that I've received from the Lord, I've received it from himself. Some of it came from books and study. But you pound anything into this melon long enough, it'll go in, you know? Because it said that they, re they realized that Peter and John had been with Jesus. They were uneducated men. They were untrained men. They were fishermen. They were just your average guys, right? And so in my speech and in my preaching, we're not persuasive words of human wisdom, but demonstration and the power of the Spirit. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So eloquent speech won't cut it. And a heart transformed to the knowledge of Christ and the crucified life and the life and the resurrection, right? I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Listen, I love that. He will kick. We were singing that song, Reckless, right? He will kick anything, any door down to get to you. He will kick it down. He will break down walls. He'll, he'll torch mountains to get to you. This is the reckless love of God. This is what he wants. He wants his people so close to him and so abiding in him. This is what he wants. But I'm telling you, we put things up. We, ought, we, we all do it. We all do it. Say, I do it. I do it. I put things in the way to block God out. And I don't do it on purpose, but it just does. It just blocks the presence. And the Lord's saying this, I'm coming to take everything out of the way. I'm so jealous for you, I'm going to take everything out of the way. I'm going to move things and remove the high places and remove everything that gets in the way of what I want to do. He said it again in Philippians, right? He says, but what things we... What things were gained to me, these things I counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge, the experiential knowledge of Christ. Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and what? Be found in him. Colossians says this, that you're hidden in him. You don't live. You, you, you're looking for heavenly things, and your life is now hidden, incubated, and just absolutely closed off in Christ because you're completely possessed. I talked about, who was it? Gideon. Being fitted. The wording was fitted like a glove. But when the Spirit of the Lord came on him, he was absolutely possessed and taken by the presence of God. And so Philippians 3, that's what I just read, verse 7, that the, that the power of God, 
come to us and totally change us and come in and totally eradicate anything. I'm telling you, when, when the Lord comes to the church, he will begin to dismantle things. And his, his hand is coming to just begin to shape. <laughs> I tend to want to think he's gentle, but sometimes I think he's not gentle. Sometimes he opens things up so that we realize and understand that now God's coming and we better get ready. And I really want to be ready for when he comes to drop in. We want ministry with what? Real power and real demonstration. And honestly, guys, if I think of it, it's, I love signs and wonders. I want to see people healed. I want to see the cripples come out of wheelchairs. You've heard me over and over and over again. But I think God is more concerned with the light of Christ forming and coming inside of you than he is, I'm telling you, and I, I don't, I don't want to say either or, but I know this. He's looking for the substance of himself to be released in his people first. Because there is that, that scripture, right? Jesus said, you cast out demons, you healed the sick, but I what? Never knew you. And that, that whole scripture to me kind of rocks me a little because I'm like, God, how can people go and cast out devils and walk in authority and walk in power and then not know you? And you say, I, I never knew you. And so the Lord has me in a strange place over the last two weeks just speaking to me about, I want you to give everything over. He's talking to me. But he's talking to me, now he's talking to you. <laughs> just give it over, right? If we just give it over, if we just cooperate with the Lord, and he begins to come in, and I'm telling you, there's this whole place where he wants to be your best friend, and he wants to speak to you, not a prophetic word. Are you hearing me? He wants to just abide with you. He wants to talk to you every day. He wants to be your friend. The Lord Jesus wants to be your friend. He wants to speak to you just real clear and real plain. And I think we, what happens is we should probably have a whole class on unmystifying the prophetic ministry. Because it's really about intimacy with Holy Spirit, learning to walk with him and hearing his voice. I want the dove to come to the house and stay. You know, I don't know about you, but I want the dove to come to the house and to stay and abide and not go anywhere. I don't want her, I don't want her to just lay an egg and leave. That's what she's done. Please come back, you know. But this is what God, this is the place where God has us. Because he wants to absolutely reform us. See, I, I, Lord, we just want, I want souls. But I want, we can't, I, here's what I think. I want souls to come into the church, right? But if we don't have a group that can, like, disciple and nurture and write, I'm not saying we all have to have everything in perfect order because it'll never be in perfect order. But I am saying this. The Lord's looking for a body that's going to be real healthy that he can drop his, he can drop a harvest. 
when we hit, when revival hits, when awakening hits, that means all of a sudden the dead are raised. I'm talking the spiritually dead. Let's just start there. And then you have mass evangelism. And who's going who's gonna to disciple all them? Me? <laughs> no. That's not a sick joke. I'm, I'm serious. Right, you're right. It's going to be everyone. And that's why health and wholeness in the church, we need, again, the Holy Spirit wants to come and turn us into, come on, men and women of God with integrity and, and, and walking in truth. The problem is truth. That's what I'm finding. Truth is the issue. Understanding and knowing truth. I can preach at you all day long, and then you go out and act completely contrary. Something's not connecting. Come on, me too. The Lord can speak to me, and I act completely contrary. Something's wrong. I'm telling you, when he comes, and he is coming, the time is now. I believe it's now. I believe he's coming in that way to break and to change and to shift things, but he's just looking for a people. It's really simple. He's just looking for someone that he can land on and that he can abide in and that our hearts are just totally given over to him because that's where, it's, that's where we miss it. I feel like I've repeated myself over the last three weeks, but that's okay. I just can't get it. I can't get it. If I can't get rid of it, then, it, then I got to keep going after it. And the Lord wants to do this because he wants us to shape, to be looking like him. How many want to look like Jesus? I want to look like Jesus, right? I know he made me in, in, in the image and likeness of God, but I want to look like him, right? The first thing with man, it wasn't even about dominion. Right? When he, when he created Adam and Eve, he spoke the words, I want you to go take dominion. But the main thing was this, that God wanted fellowship with them. The Spirit of God, that was the first thing. He made man out of dust, and then the first thing to enter man was whoo, breath of God. That gave him life. That gave you life. So what's he looking for? He's just looking for you. He's just looking for you. There's no wall that he won't tear down. I love that line. There's no door he won't kick down. There's no door he won't. I feel like screaming it out in the parking lot. Because he will not stop. I'm telling you, if you don't and I don't, he'll go somewhere else. This is, this is how strong this has been on me. That if he doesn't get it, if he doesn't find a people here in Kingston or Manchester or New England or Georgia or wherever, he will find a people. But let it be us. Let it be me. Let, my, let me be found in you. So we want to be fully possessed by what? A crucified life. That's not an easy, that's not an easy thing to say. 
I know he, I know he did all the works. I know we live in this, this life that's been totally, we've been erat, all sin has been eradicated. That doesn't mean I have to die again. I'm talking about a crucified life. I'm talking about a life that's set apart. And I don't want to hear the line, well, it's just for the guy up there. No, it's not. He called his church as a what? Spotless. Pure. What does purity look like? What does it look like? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Here's what Paul preached. Christ crucified. I'm like, what does that even look like? Really? What does that even look like? Maybe I'll explain that next week because I'm going to dive into it because I read through that today and I'm like, what does that look like? What does Christ crucified look like? It's the gospel. It's the truth of the gospel. It's the absolute unadulterated truth of the gospel where Christ is crucified, right? And his life has been totally slain out, but he's given life to everything that he touches because of the blood. A crucified life is touched by the blood of Christ, which absolutely eradicates sin, sickness, disease. It blows everything away. But what does it look like when we preach Christ crucified? Is that what Jonathan Edwards was preaching? Probably. What was he preaching? What was Paul preaching? I'm going to have to go look. I'm going to have to read it over. I've read it a hundred times, but something I'm missing. There's a disconnect. God, what are you saying? What does it look like when we preach Christ crucified? And I'm not leaving out the resurrection. I'm not leaving dot, dot, dot. That's it. Because that's not the end. We know it's a resurrected life. But when he preached the resurrection, Christ being crucified, and the resurrection of who he was, then life came to people. And the blindness and the shackles came off of people's lives. 